Well, welcome to church. If you're watching online, I just hope and pray that this message will bless you. I'm sounding very ringy back here in my part of the world. Lockie, I'm not sure what that's about, like down your end, but it's kind of a bit tank-like. Do I need to get the other microphone or are we okay? We're all good? Got the thumbs up? Oh, last week, what did I preach about? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Must have been a riveting message. Who, who said that? Who said grace? Oh, good work. Yeah, somebody was listening. That's nice to hear. No, only joking. It was about grace, the gift of God. Life um, as, a, as a Christ follower is all a gift. And life, when we live it, I think the best way to look at our life is to consider it a gift from God. And it changes their perspective on lots of things. So I've been thinking about preaching during this month of January and what, what's a good place to start. And I alluded to it in that prayer that I think sometimes it's good just to start the year afresh with, let's just go back, cut back to the basics, cut back to, and it's not basic, but it's like foundation. What is it that makes us tick as Christ followers? And, and we can lose our way um, with increasing complexity. Complexity is an insidious beast in any organisation, in any adventure of life, we can find ourselves, um, and I don't want to talk about COVID again, but we can find ourselves going down pathways of increased complexity. And before we know it, we're kind of at this dead end and we're surrounded by all this either information or perspective and it's just cluttered up. And our walk with Jesus can get like that. We can get cluttered up on what we should do, what we could do, what we mustn't do. We can get caught up in a whole bunch of self-regulation around that and miss the point that it's by grace that we're saved. It's like, it's just incredible freedom, not to do whatever I like. That doesn't, as Paul says, it's not an invitation to do more sin, so that, that grace can abound. It's receiving grace, the gift of God's love and life into us, and letting it transform our lives. That's, that's the purpose of grace. It's not, it's not something that's just given like a, a gift that sits there on the shelf. It's a, a life-transforming moment with God. So I thought, well, what, what else is foundational? And so this week, as I was pondering that, dropped into the arena of prayer. Say prayer. Um, we're not just the passive recipients of God's gifts. He has a desire that we'll respond to his grace. And being a Christian, being a person of faith, is not, it's not a religious activity and it's not a religious thing. It's actually a relational thing. And so coming to Christ and coming to a knowledge of God through faith in Christ is not about becoming a religious person. It's about becoming a person who's in a relationship with the living God. <laughs> And I've noticed it in my life, the people I relate to best are the ones, when I come to people, are the people I speak to most. The people I actually communicate with know me and I know them. And that is the purpose of prayer. Prayer's got lots of reasons to be spoken and or thought or muttered or whatever. But at the end of the day, prayer is the mechanism of relationship with God. Um, and so it crossed my mind that we can seriously misunderstand prayer, uh, limit its application and its ability to change our lives likely, like we can when we regulate what we say and who we say it to in a personal relationship. So some of my relationships are close, dare say are intimate in any sense of the word. Others of my friendships are, let's just say, a little remote, a little distant, um, and to some extent, to a large extent, we all regulate who gets to know what about our lives. And I started thinking, well, clearly that's going to be 
the mechanism that I use, and I put it to you that you would use when it comes to God, although he hasn't got a problem of not knowing everything. So what I don't tell you, you don't know about me, unless someone else tells you, but God hasn't got that problem. He knows everything. He knows all of it. So the issue is not that he needs more knowledge about me. What God's desiring is relationship with me, for me to actually cough up who I am and what I am in front of him. And I want to say to you that in the Bible, conversations with God are a common part of the narrative. Like from the get-go, people are talking to God and he's talking to them. And it's very much of the, the Jewish tradition. Um, I was reading something in a commentary about this, that like most, um, most of the religions of the comparative time in religions that are not Christian religions in the world today still have this um, mechanism of talking to the deity, whatever it might be. Um, and back in the era when the scriptures were written, um, the Jews were a very unique bunch of people because they focused their attention on one God. Just one God. His name's Yahweh. And uh, other cultures around them, they pray to all sorts of weird things, um, which are obviously idols and we don't believe they're real gods. But the point I'm trying to make, and was in this commentary, is that as human beings, we have been predisposed to talking. We have been predisposed to communicating and we reach out to things that are spiritual. Um, it's an interesting topic of discussion at this point in time as secular humanism and the uh, intent of that humanist worldview to suppress or even deny that we should have anything spiritual in our lives. Um, that's just not gonna, that's not gonna be where it lands. It might be where the narrative goes in our community in the years ahead, but there's gonna be people of faith because you're here. Yeah, We're people of faith, right? Yeah. We believe in things spiritual. We believe in things that we can't explain. We believe in things we can't see. And some people think, well, you're just deluded. So, no, I'm a believer. That's two different things. So what is prayer? We will get to the scripture in a minute. Prayer, this is the definition I found in one commentary I, I had perused. Prayer is communication with God, primarily offered in the second person voice, that is, addressing God directly. Um, it can include these things, petition, no, it's asking for things. Entreaty, it's kind of like making a deal with God. Um, supplication, that's even asking again because we want things. Thanksgiving, praise, hymns and lament. Anyone prayed a prayer of lament lately? It's like, oh God, why am I going through this? Why does this suck so much? What's going on? That's a lament kind of prayer. The Bible's got a couple of books that are written like that just so that we get, I think, a very clear picture. There's nothing wrong as a human going through a patch where it really is complicated and where it doesn't make sense and feel like giving up. But thank God the Bible includes um, progression through that to a place of breakthrough, joy, God's going to do a new thing, God comes through, just hang in there. And that would be my prayer this morning. So prayer is something we can learn to do that opens the door of communicating with God. When you got saved, hopefully somebody spent some time helping you to understand what to pray what sorts of things to talk to God about and maybe even where to do that and when to do it, like pray every day. You can pray anywhere. Uh, prayer over the centuries has become um, liturgical in some contexts and so there are prayer books. You can read a prayer. You can read prayers. A lot of the Psalms are prayers. There's things that other people have written that can become a prayer uh, and nothing wrong with any of that. But what's important is that somewhere in the mix, you and I begin to actually pray out of our own being, 
and present ourselves to God with our own words so that we know that he's actually dealing with me, not with me thinking, oh, I agree with what they said. He's wanting me to say what I think. Does it make sense? So when it comes to relationships with people and the underlying conversations, I've noticed a few things. Number one, some of us are good at talking, but lousy at listening. (laughs) Two, some of us seem to be able to balance talking and listening reasonably well, and others of us love to listen, but rarely say a thing. And it got me wondering whether some of us pray like that, whether our prayer life is like the rest of our communication. It's kind of the way we're either wired or we've been ex- our experience of life has led to us dealing with relationships like that. Some of us are just naturally shy, and maybe you're a shy person before God. I'd say, don't be shy with God. Be, be vulnerable with God. Open up your life to him. And so I'd ask you, does any of those descriptors describe your prayer life? You just talk, 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 talk. Get on the bed, lie in your bed, just yak to God. Or you sit on the loo and yak to God. Or you're driving in the car and you're talking to God. And you're listening to Christian music, but you're talking to God and you're telling him this, that, blah, blah. At the end of the day, not a lot of listening. That might be hit where you're at. I want to ask you to change, see if you can change that this year to be, how do you listen to God? Can you show me how to listen to God? Well, find somebody who can help you with that, perhaps. And so um, alongside that there's the need to assess what we talk about so it's not just the fact that we might pray whether we talk a lot and or listen or both we got it all sorted out but it's what we actually pray about and I'm wondering whether you've ever stopped to think what you spend most of your time talking to God about is it a is it one topic is it at the end of the day pure at the lays it might be different things but at the end of the day it's the same longing or the same asking or the same God would you kind of prayer Um, and so there are three things again I thought that we could talk to God about we can talk to God about people we can talk to God about issues or we can talk to God about ideas there's a quote that uh, I had seen before and took me a little while to find it but I did it's attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt and she said this we'll put a graphic up for that thanks Matt that great minds talk about ideas Average minds talk about events, and small minds talk about people. How good's that? And I thought, is that kind of a bit of a pattern for me to look at with regards to prayer? So if I'm, if I'm praying about people, am I actually a small-minded Christ follower? When I should be praying about things like, and in the arena of ideas, that's like, well... Um, that's an invitation to talk about some solutions, not going to God with, you do this, can you do that, wish you'd do this, oh God, would you? It's like, God, if you're with me, I'm going to have that crack at that. Lord, if, you, if you're walking with me and I'm walking with you, can I step out here and have a go at that? It's like there are ideas. I'm praying to God to give you ideas as a great prayer much better than praying about the person that you just got upset with and, oh God, you, can you deal with such and such? It's like, I don't think he wants to hear those prayers. I think he'd much rather hear a prayer about ideas. Much rather hear a prayer about things that you're planning to do in your faith walk and sometimes praying about the right people. So praying about people as part of that, there's nothing wrong with that because that's part of the idea. But when we start having a complaint prayer about people, I think we're in kind of dangerous territory. Um, and so it seems to me that um, my prayers are all talk sometimes 
you know I'm a preacher, so I talk a lot compared to some people. Um, but I ponder myself, do I actually listen? Anyway, so just you get the, the guts of where I'm going with that. So I want to read you a story from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. This is the story of a woman called um, Hannah, who is alongside another woman married to the one man. And his, her other uh, husband's other wife is able to have children, and she's not. And this other wife is, let's just say, really horrid about that issue, really rubbing her nose in the fact she's childless. We pick up the story, and her husband used to take them to the Shiloh, a special place in Israel, every year to offer sacrifices to God. And in verse 9 it says, Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, so they're there, celebration, giving thanks to God, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Ever had one of those prayers? Where it's just like, I got nothing. I got, I got nowhere to go. I got no idea what to do. I'm broken on the inside. That kind of prayer is pretty gutsy and pretty raw and pretty powerful. So she's pouring herself out, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if, say if, if, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then, say then, then. I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will be ever used on his head. Um, are going to come down and we're going to unpack this sequence of events here and look at it through the lens of how to pray in a minute. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. Say heart. Praying in her heart. Hmm. Okay, how do you do that? And her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Now get a load of this and keep in mind Acts chapter 2, where the crowd accused the Christ followers of being drunk. Eli thought she was drunk. Interesting little kind of connection point to the presence of the Holy Spirit, if you ask me. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Almost the same words that were the accusation to the Christ followers at the day of Pentecost. And she goes, not so, my Lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. Listen to this little sentence. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. I've read that many times. And I was wondering, do I actually, have I ever stopped to think, what does that actually mean? How do I pour out my soul to the Lord? Has anyone shown me how to pour out my soul to the Lord have I ever been in such a lousy place that I've had to I've had no alternative but to pour out my soul um, so do not take your servant for a wicked woman I have been praying here out of great anguish and grief so there's four tips out of this little sequence of events in Hannah's life that can help us number one Hannah didn't try to conceal how she felt don't try and pretend to God that you're a faith-filled Christ follower, Pentecostal, full of Holy Spirit, everything's sweet. It's all good. It might be all good on, in one sense, but if it's not all good, 
Don't tell God it is when it isn't. Be honest with God, okay? So she was honest with how she felt um, to God. Second thing that she did, and I want to say you take notice of the sequence here. In in verse 10, her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, Lord, weeping bitterly. And then further down, it talks about pouring her soul out. I think it's really significant that she emptied herself before she asked for something. Oftentimes, we're carrying stuff in our heart, in our soul, because maybe we've got a bit of an edge on us because we're ticked off about something or we're disappointed or we're disillusioned or we're just worn out and tired and grumpy and we just go straight to God with, I want this. God, would you do that? When this sequence kind of goes, no, she actually is emptying herself of all that stuff first. And then she's kind of in clear air. So the reason I picked this story out is and I'll tell you now, this, this story and the rest of this message is not meant to be crass or in any way offensive, but it's about going to the toilet. <laughs> and this message started in my head, not my butt, started in my head, <laughs> sitting on the toilet. <laughs> I know, some of you are going, oh, here goes Bruce again. <laughs> but I was thinking about the fact that physically... We take on food. We eat stuff, and Aislinn didn't know she was going, alluding to that in her little message about being dairy-free. She's one person, and others here have got other issues to do with that, uh, to do with sometimes what we eat is not good for us. Makes us crook. And there's no point comparing ourselves one to another. My po- so, if, so anyway, aside from the negative reactions we can get, we all eat. We all drink, we all participate in something, our body needs it, but I'm going to have a conversation with God actually, because I've kind of get to the point, like why do we have to have ablutions? Why can't we just eat and drink what we need and just be a sealed unit? <laughs> I mean, it's maybe just a few, just slight change, change of the DNA structure of the human being, I don't know, but it's like, why can't we just go, yeah, you take on a litre of water and that'll, you just use that up and there's nothing left over? You know, eat a big steak and there's nothing left over. Uh-uh, it ain't true. It's like you eat and drink whatever you eat and drink and your body chemically breaks it down and takes out of it what it needs to, you to actually sustain your cellular structure and your mind, your neurons, everything about your physical body is actually sustained through food and drink. But your body doesn't need everything that you put into it. And so there is... I'll use a nice polite word for a message. If you're online, don't get upset. I'm going to talk about elimination. Okay, so we eliminate stuff. And that's, that's physically, like, we get that, right? And I thought, well, it's, and it's regular. And if it's not regular, you get crook. If you actually have a clogged up guts, you actually start to feel sick. Constipation is a very uncomfortable state to be in. Not being able to go to the toilet somewhere when you're bursting to go becomes very uncomfortable, right? Got me thinking, what about my soul and my heart? How do I eliminate what I don't need and, or, and even more importantly, do I ever do it? Do I actually stop to eliminate negativity that's getting established in my soul? Do I ever stop to eliminate 
a curse that I've spoken over somebody because I was cranky with them or it. Have I ever, do I, how, how do I do that? And this prayer of Hannah helped me realize that God's given us through prayer the ability to pour out those toxins, the ability to pour out the stuff we don't need. Prayer is actually, in this sense of the word, it's not only this, prayer is lots of things, but the prayer of confession, I put it to you, is it's what prayer of confession is about. It's not about admitting to God mistakes. There's a place for that, and confessing our sin is important. But I'm wondering whether confession is actually spiritually going to the loo. It's actually the process of eliminating what I don't need. I pick up all sorts of stuff. Information about this, information about that, information about you. I can have opinions about you know, decisions that are being made. I can have opinions about all of the stuff that's current in the world as issues, but not all of it's good for me. Not all of it's meant to stay on me. It's meant to actually go through me like some of the food that I eat is not meant to stay in my body. It's meant to be eliminated. And I kind of felt like God nudged me and said, you don't understand how important it is to eliminate some of those toxic thoughts, eliminate some of that negativity, eliminate some of that false expectation, lower your expectations on this, but raise them on that. Like, what's going on inside that heart of yours, Bruce? And so I found a few other scriptures to just help us um, get past this awkward moment about elimination, okay? <laughs> How much time do I spend eliminating toxic ideas, beliefs, feelings? Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. That, Again, I want to put it to you that sin, even what we think that means, can complicate the picture. This morning, I want to take it to a place of it being something that's not good for us. Like the wages of sin is death. So anything that is death, it says elsewhere in Scripture, it's like, I don't know. I occasionally go, think, i got a childish view of sin. It's like the naughty things I do. But it's not the naughty things I do. It's the things that aren't good for me. So Paul says everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. It's like pretty much the grace deal means I can effectively, as a Christ follower, pretty much choose to do whatever I like, but the Bible's got a big caveat on that. However, not everything you might choose is good for you. Not everything that I choose to eat is good for me. Some things are good for me, some things are not. I've got a fairly... Um, loose shirt on today because the summer Christmas period's a little inclined to leave a residual. <laughs> so not only do I need to eliminate, that happens anyway, I actually need to exercise. I actually need to wear some of that extra weight off. How much spiritual baggage are you carrying this morning? Have you spent any time in the last six months confessing privately like going to the toilet's a pretty personal thing um, and we all do it but we don't kind of really talk about it when you've got little kids around you kind of get you just have to change your view on all that stuff but um, don't you yeah, just bear with me you just do it's like just um, and the reality that it is private and it's appropriate to be private I'm not having a um, I'm just wondering if there's a, a private place you go to that's as private and as important in your routine, your daily routine, to let go of stuff. I remember hearing Pastor Phil Pringle once saying, 
he starts every day with a prayer along, amongst other things of, I forgive every offence. I let go of every person who's offended me. I let go of every difficult conversation. He just went through and had basically an ablutions moment, eliminating things that have the potential to let a root of bitterness get established, which eventually turns into carrying around excess baggage in our life. So I want to encourage you this morning to, if you aren't in the habit of confessing your, your situation to God, I'm not just saying confessing your sins. We're all aware of the things we do that we think, well, I wish I hadn't said that or I hadn't done that or I shouldn't watch that or I shouldn't look at that or whatever. It, those things are all, I think, blatantly obvious to us on the one hand. But we could be blind to the things that we actually take on board that are actually sucking life out of us. They're just, they're heavy to carry. And the solution is a prayer of confession. Lord, I just bring, as Jesus invited, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's the prayer of confession. It's like, Lord, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I'm sick of feeling just browned off. Or I'm sick of feeling depressed. Or I'm sick of feeling angry. It's like, and that's not a complaint to God. It's like, say, Lord, show me how to pour it out. How do I pour it out? How do you pour out anger before God? Because he wants you to. He doesn't want you to carry that around. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writing, he says, Rejoice always. Verse 16, verse 17, Pray continuously, or continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your, you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on, hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Eliminate it. Just deal with it. If you've got something that's... You've, we have brought up... My mum used to say when I was being a bit testy, oh, you've got a monkey on your back. Did anyone have that said to them by a parent? It's an old-fashioned thing, eh? But it's kind of the deal. You had a monkey in your back. You got a monkey in your back this morning? If I was able to have a, let's just say, an honest conversation that was a little vulnerable, and you, you would admit, yeah, I, have got, I am carrying a monkey on my back. Why don't you just say, God, I want to take that thing off. Yeah. I want to walk out of here this morning, out of this church, into that sunshine without carrying that load. Yeah. Why don't we stand to our feet? I want to finish with just a comment about James chapter 5 because uh, starting at verse 13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. I've got a prayer. Anyone among you sick? Call the elders of the church and to pray over them and anoint them with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. I've often pondered that verse and think, well, there's things that I would want to confess that I don't want anyone to know. God knows, and I'm happy to confess them. It's like, is that really what the Bible is inviting us to do there? And maybe it is, so I'm not saying it's not. But I found myself, as I prepared this message, leaning towards it being a pouring out of so with somebody's help somebody helping me 
to pray that prayer. Sometimes we need people to put words in our mouth. So like the salvation prayer that we do in our church is a prayer that we say, or I'd say if I'm leading the meeting, I'd say this, you say this after me. We put words in people's mouths. And there's nothing wrong with doing that because as soon as it's come out of your mouth and you've meant it, they are your words. And so confessing our sin is not about having a hit list of things that we're ashamed of. Uh, It can be that, but it it might be the mechanism that Paul is saying, just have some spaces in your relational world where you can pour out, where you can just pour out without fear of recrimination. It's like, yeah, and I've been a complete jerk the last few weeks. I'm so sorry. I've treated you badly. I've been ignoring you. I've been this, I've been doing that. I meant to call you last week and I didn't. I meant to call so-and-so last week and I didn't. I just was too busy and I forgot and their life went to hell in a handbag and I, I should have, but I didn't. It's like that can be regret. If you're sitting with a level of regret in your life this morning, pour it out. Let God have it. That, that specific word is for somebody this morning. I could feel that the anointing sit on me right as I said the word regret. If you've got regret, that monkey on your back this morning, you can get that thing off you by just pouring it out. God, I don't want to take that out the door. In fact, that's so powerfully sitting on me. I want to pray for that person. I don't want you to come out the front, but I... I'd love you to speak to me after the meeting because I know that that specific word just went straight in and hit a raw nerve. And so, Father, we pray together right now in this place with a corporate anointing present to help anyone who's carrying that monkey of regret on their back. Show them, Lord. Show that person. Show those people, Lord how to put words together in their mouth. Maybe their words, they won't speak like Hannah. She goes, her lips were moving, but no sound was coming out. And out of the depths of that person's heart, regret releases its grip. Oh, Lord Jesus, come heal that person's heart right now. Restore them, refresh them, renew them. Mighty mighty God if you're listening online and that word struck a chord in you this prayer has been as much for you as those assembled here this morning and Lord I just finish up today by asking you to show each one of us next time we're sitting on the loo to think about whether we are actually dealing with things in our soul and our heart on a regular basis to clean them out. And may our regular activity physically remind us of our spiritual activity regularly. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. That would be the strangest prayer I've ever prayed at the very end there, but that's, that's just the, the nature of the beast. Hey, if you are listening online or are standing this morning feeling like God's just nudged you closer to Him and you've never invited Christ into your life, we'd love to pray a prayer together. As I mentioned, we can put words in your mouth, but it's a prayer to God, admitting that Jesus is His Son, confessing that, and inviting Christ to come and live in your life. It's the moment you become a Christ follower, a Christian. Some of us 
because of the burdens we carry, can lose, lose our way completely and uh, we can come back to Him um, whenever we turn our attention to Him. And that might be you this morning. Maybe you've been a long way from God. Maybe God's appeared to be a grumpy old man in heaven to you for whatever reason. And you just lost your way with Him. He's not. He's a loving Father who unconditionally loves you, gifts you life. And He would be rejoicing. The Bible talks about angels in heaven, thousands upon thousands of them rejoicing once in a turns to Him. <clears throat> so if you've been away from God or you've never known God as a personal relationship through faith in Christ, we can pray a prayer together. But I need you to slip your hand up and say, that's me, Bruce. Can we, can we pray this prayer together? And we can. If you're watching online, there's a link on our website that can help you find um, a salvation prayer. If you do pray a prayer of salvation by yourself or at home with somebody else online, please let us know you've prayed that prayer and we'll chase you up. Well, God bless you, church. The coffee machine is still on out there. I believe we get a coffee after church this morning. The suns are shining and it's going to shine all this week. It's going to be summer this week, I declare it. Going, God bless. Remain standing. We're going to sing a song together to close.